Hello, hello, and welcome to Women's Health Matters podcast. I am your host, Lucy Townsley, a women's health consultant. I'm a life and health coach, and I'm also a Chinese medicine practitioner. So on this podcast, we have the most amazing speakers who are going to help you in every direction in your life. Whatever you're going through, there's an answer here. So forget about Dr. Google. Just have a listen to these amazing speakers and get ready for the next episode. Also, hit that subscribe button. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Women's Health Matters podcast. And today I'm really honored. I'm joined by Lynn Monaghan. And uh, welcome, Lynn, and thank you for taking the time to come on this podcast. It's really great of you. I'm going to let you uh, introduce yourself and tell my listeners what you do. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. I was like, oh, she's going to introduce me. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, What I do predominantly is I am a coaching consultant, Mind, Body and Soul, where I work with both genders, but predominantly women. And it's to work with women. I do it both individually and with group work with two other ladies that I work with in groups. And our mission is to bring women back home, to bring women back to their hearts, to allow them to discover the missing piece in their life, to have that experience with them in session, to to bring the awareness into what it is that actually makes them unique, the part of them that has been in slumber or that has been asleep for so long, unconditionally, not not really intentionally, and get them to really honor that part of them and bring it alive, rediscover it, go back to the truth of who they are, and to start to live life from this lens, from their authentic self, from their wishes, their desires, and let go of the guilt of actually listening to their own needs and addressing their own needs and living from their truth that they are in in life with ease, flow, and joy. That's very powerful. How do how do women react to this? How and men, obviously, because you treat both sexes, but um, you know, because it can be quite a shock that you've turned off that part without knowing that you've turned that part of yourself off. You know, deep down, I think really people do know, and that's why they're always asking that question: Is there more? Um, is this it? Is there something I'm missing? Is this the way that life has to be for the rest of my life? And I and it's that like when people wake up every day with that sense of dread, even if it's a mild form of dread or tiredness or exhaustion or feeling like they're in Groundhog Day or on a Ferris wheel, that is literally your true self knocking from the inside out and saying, you aren't following your heart. You aren't following really what you've been brought here to do. So with all those questions, that's really them knowing that the path that they're on is not the highest, 
the highest form of how they can operate in their day-to-day life, day life. But people aren't really aware of that. That internal conflict that we get, that frustration and irritability and annoyance and doubt and worry, that's literally the part of you that has been lying dormant for so long, knocking, waiting to get out. So when the awareness comes around that, it's actually really empowerful and encouraging and uplifting to, oh, that's what that is. And that actually there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing needed to be fixed. I think there is this huge idea that there is something wrong with me. What, what is wrong? And I need to discover it. I need to fix myself. And in fact, there's nothing that you need to fix. You just need to rediscover that part that lay dormant. And it happens to us all, Lucy, on one level or another, because when we're born into this world, when we come in here into our humanness, we are we are literally spiritual beings having a human existence. But when we come in, we don't really, that message isn't really imparted onto us from our society and our caregivers. It seems to be the other way around. And even if part the, the part of us that we're, we're here predominantly physical, and that's all that there is to us, that's what we individualize to. That's what we orientate our lives from. And by doing that, we close off or we ignore that other part of us, the spiritual part or the authentic self or the true self. And we come in here and we individualize into societies and into families of how we're expected to be. And we end up molding into adulthood with all these expectations of how it should be, ignoring our own uniqueness, our inner voice. And that's where the conflict comes. And it's like then we get lost in the shell of expectations of how it should be. And it's literally that it feels so empty inside. And you may feel it may look like on the outside to everybody that you have it all. Like my experience at one stage in my life like the great job the great house the great family the great car and it's like but inside i'm so lost i'm so dis detached i'm so confused i'm so dissatisfied and it's because i was living life really from the three-dimensional or from just knowing myself as a human being in the physical and the intellect and not really understanding that i am more than that and then the next step okay if i'm more than that how do I harness that to live a more fulfilled life where I do enjoy every day, where my days flow with ease? And that's really what discovering your true self that's within, that's within because we are conditioned, we're given the directives to watch this. I love this idea that, you know, it's almost like, we feel so betrayed when we come to adulthood because at a very early age, it's we watch how society is that we grow up, we get a good job, we go to school, we go to college, we get a good job, we find a good relationship, we get married, we have a house, we have children, and then we're there and we're like, where is this fairy tale gone? I was told this was the way. I was told when I have all this, I'll be happy and content, living the dream. And I'm here and all I have is more confusion, more frustration, more dissatisfaction. And it's like, there's a betrayal then. I've been promised all this and I'm here. What the heck is going on? And there's a 
movements going on inside us, which is causing the body to feel so out of whack that we experience anxiety and the frustration and the overwhelm and the stress, which has a massive impact on everything in our lives and our relationships, on our physical health. As a, stress is now, they're identifying as number one killer. And really our stress is coming from that internal conflict with how we are living our lives and how we're actually supposed to be living our lives from the true authentic self, from inside out, from our uniqueness, from our genius, our greatness, our gifts, as opposed to, okay, you come into this world, this is how we do it in this family, this is how you're expected to do it, keep on doing that, and then you come into adulthood and realize, this isn't right, there's something not right. How did you start this journey? How did you um, go on the journey of discovering, discovery of yourself? What did you notice that you were squishing down, say? That's, that's <laughs> a question and it's a long journey. Um, so I started my mental health nursing 20 years ago and probably about five years into that, about, yeah, it was about five year mark that I decided to do my psychotherapy. Um, and when I was doing that, I was never really content or happy in life, ever really. But these things become the norm. We're why doing... weren't Why weren't you happy? What What? Well, how did you recognize that? Um. So I'll bring you on. To, I didn't really recognize I wasn't happy up until the point where I was in college and I started to do my own psychotherapy. And in that, you understand and you study the formulations of how people present with their mental health on a day to day. So I started to apply the formulations to myself and I realized, wow, okay, so this is my present moment, what's happening here. This is, these are my triggers and they, um, my, my early life, my early life experiences have brought me to this moment now. So I was able to actually see the map of the human conditioning and then my own symptoms or my presentation or my experience into that and map it back to oh this is why I feel this way this is why I don't feel confident or self-assured this is why I struggle in relationships particularly with myself because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship with yourself because if that's unstable or threatened there's absolutely no way that you can enjoy grounded stable true honest trustful relationships with other people so in my formulation i started to ask questions so i went through years of various modalities and various treatments and not necessarily treatment from i never would ask for help okay so how could a psychotherapist ask for help right that was no way that was a limiting belief and that's what kept me stuck because everybody i don't care who you are whether you're the richest man, the poorest man, the beggar man, the thief, it doesn't matter who you are. Everybody needs support. It's part of us being human. Everybody needs that level of support. But for me, I was doing it alone. So I worked as a, um, I was working full time as a nurse and part time. Uh, I was running a holistic clinic. And after my second baby, I had then committed to leaving my full time job and opening a full time clinic. And as I was doing that, I was seeking coaching. As a psychotherapist or as a coach? No, as a holistic. So 
I was in the holistic field, so I was a kinesiologist. Okay. Yeah. So, um, because I was working in the medical model and there was always something inside of me saying, what are we doing here? There's something missing. So I was always interested in how we can, how we can step into being the ones in the driving seat when it comes to our health and well-being. I was always interested in that. I was always interested in nutrition. I was always interested in empowering myself. And I was always concerned about how we were disempowering people in the services. Um, so like we have this revolt, we have this phenomena called the revolving door phenomena, and that kind of speaks for itself, right? We expect people to come in to cycle, just cycle back in. And I used to always question, well, if we're really making an impact on people's lives, why do we even have this phenomena that's in the studies, that's in, in the literature, that this is what we expect? So I always question how I could help people from multiple dimensions outside the medical model. Um, so when I was, so I started um, working, I started training in kinesiology in 2017 and doing various different modalities, energy work on top of that, adding to my practice and my knowledge. And then after my second baby, I said, I'll transition fully over to self-employed. I'll open up a holistic clinic full time. And then when I was doing that, I was only after having my second baby, I said, you know, I need somebody to help me to understand the business side of stuff, to do the actual transition, right? Because it may sound easy, but it's not really, particularly if you've come from working in services for years right it's a complete different ball game so that's where i came across bob proctor and um did you do his program i did yeah yeah so i i was being coached by um bob and then i realized halfway through so i signed up to a year and i realized halfway through what am i doing i can do this for people um so just go back to your question how i uh how i connected with my own internal conflicts and dysfunction factions about life so just before i met bob i had assigned to myself that i was just going to be the way i was for the rest of my life and to stop trying to fix myself and in hindsight when i look back at what that was i was always carrying like this dull lull inside me like just this feeling that didn't feel right that was just discomfort and I was always uncertain and dissatisfied and I'd searched for years for different things to rid this to to find a way that I didn't have to live with this but nothing was really successful and just before I met Bob I'd said Lynn get on with it you you've been born this way like pull up the socks and just get on with it. Accept that this is going to be you for the rest of your life and learn how to live with it. And um, when I met Bob and started his program, I realized that before I created anything externally, I had to do a lot of, um, what I say, um, internal house cleaning. And it was in that that I really started to understand the human conditioning. It was in that that Bob introduced me to the idea that there's something far greater inside us, that there's something far beyond what we perceive ourselves as the physical body and the intellectual mind. And that was how the whole purpose of why we're here. 
how we're all individually created for a purpose and that our genius and our gifts lie within, ready to be activated, ready to be expressed to the world. So I decided to take Bob's belief in me that that was true. Because it's hard to believe that when you haven't been living that way for so long. So then I started to do all my own self-development from this perspective, from the belief and the idea that there is something more. There is something bigger and greater than what I've been living my life by, by the truths and beliefs of how I've been living my life. And when we live just purely on the physical plane, we are denying ourselves of that magic that lies inside every single one of us. And the thing is, it's invisible, okay? <laughs> but we always have to remember that people are living in fear. People are living in the what if this happens and what if this doesn't happen and how will I manage this? And that's invisible as well. So you might as well put your, put your belief in, you're already putting your belief in an invisible aspect or source. You might as well put it in the one, the trust, the faith that there's something bigger. And do that with somebody that you trust, that, that somebody that's going to have the trust in you until you build it in yourself. That's really poignant. That's really important because you don't have that initially. Because you've been conditioned into this idea that externally we we're driven from the external. And there isn't real grounding, authentic self-belief and self-knowing and self-assurance. It's not there. So it's important to borrow that from somebody else until you start to do the process yourself and then you start to believe it. You start to see it through bringing yourself through the process. So that was kind of my journey. And now I always say how I sum it up is the idea that I love every part of me and my, 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 my mind, my body, my uniqueness, my greatness, my gifts, my genius, what I have to offer to the world. I now love being around people, connecting with people, where before I would have never put those two words in a sentence. My name and the word love, that was ridiculous. How could you even say you love yourself? That's just crazy stuff. That's the way I used to respond to the idea of self-love, self-acceptance, self-belief like that. No, it was such a far away concept. But now I understand that as the most funda fundamental aspect of us having that joy and ease in our life and then creating it as we want it. It's so fundamental, but we're not taught it. And particularly if we grow up around where there's been emotional absence in, in families or if our parents have been emotionally absent or unable to even be emotional or they didn't experience what it's like to, to receive that nourishment and that support and that grounding and that love and that connection. It's, your parents didn't have that. They couldn't have given it to you and you can't give it to yourself. But that's the internal depth of what it is to really be grounded and happy in life and then succeed from there. So how, like, um, I can hear I can hear it in your voice that you I can that belief of love for yourself is truly there. There's as you said, there's a lot of us out there who don't 
love ourselves. How can you make that change? What could you start to work on, say, like from right now that you could start loving a part of yourself? I love that question because honestly, honestly, Lucy, there is, there is no, like, I don't know how to express what I feel too intense, but there is no way I would have put those two words in a sentence. And now I wouldn't even dream of berating myself or saying other than that about myself. And it really is a process. So I've, I've literally gone from one end of the scale to the next in such a short period of time. That was only two and a half years ago when I met Bob Proctor. And people might say, oh, that's forever. But when I think about, I have another 50 years on this planet, hopefully, may not. But if I do, that two and a half years is minuscule. And I would spend 20 years searching for what I have found if I knew that I was going to get her as well. So it it is a process because you've got a part of you that's conditioned into something different. And that part of you, remember, survived that process. So what I mean by that is that our results are determined by a part of our brain called the unconscious. Everything that we do is our 98 to 98%, 96% to 98% of what we do is habitual. And it comes from that part of the brain that has been programmed where instructions went in at a certain point in time. And then you are literally on rinse and repeat in your adulthood based on those instructions. Now, the part of the brain that's operating off those instructions, its only agenda is to keep you alive. So it literally says, you survived that information and we're going to keep on repeating the same in your life because it was survivable. Now, what, what true change, internal change means is that you teach that part of the brain how you want it to be. And we have to respect that part of the brain that's going to hold on to that information because it has it can't discern. It's not like the conscious mind can't discern between what's right or wrong, good or bad. It's just working off instruction. And you have to educate it and allow it to experience what the new experience is, which requires consistent, committed attention to that. So that looks something like, okay, we ask people, what do they want? A lot of people don't know what they want because let's face it, when we were growing up, it was never about prioritizing what the child wanted. It was all about what the adult perceived to be correct, how you should be in society, how you should be in this family. So by and large, human beings don't even know the answer to that question, but always look at what you don't want. We all know what we don't want. And then what would be the opposite of that? Just pick something that would be the opposite of that. And then what we do is we say, how a person that lives like this, what way do they live their life? What does that look like? And then we start repeating the habits of the new version of us that we desire to be. And human beings are complex. So what's important here is that we understand how to bring all of us into that new practice. It's literally practice, Lucy, right? It's like if we decide that we want to take up a new hobby, a new skill, what do we have to do? We have to find out what that program looks like 
and start practicing it. And yes, we have to have little ups and downs and falls and bumps and backward steps and forward steps before we actually become proficient in a new skill. And it's the same thing for our psychology. It's no different. That part of the brain that holds the memory that automates everything needs to be guided into the new way of being. So going back to your question to begin with self-love, I always love this one. Start off with the belief or the affirmation or however you want to put it, self-suggestion, because remember, you're the one that has got to suggest to that new part of the brain of how you want it to be. Is with the first belief, the first thought, that it is possible that you believe, if you don't believe in yourself, that you're watching all these people out there using the same kind of similar formulations, that there is possibility for change within, that I do have the capacity to make my life better. And I'm going to focus on that today. So for different people, that means different things. So I'll give you a little bit of a rundown of how I operate my day in the morning. So I get up as soon as I open my eyes, I make sure that I give my intention for the day. And if I forget to do that, because that comes with practice, because remember, you're habituated. You're habituated to probably getting out of the bed and having the first thought as a complaint. Oh, no, I'm so tired. Isn't that right? <laughs> it's so true. You get out and you're like, I'm like, oh. <laughs> and we have to remember that all we are is self-fulfilling prophecy. Hmm. What, what that basically means is how we think affects our energy system, how we feel, which in turn affects what we do, which in turn creates the results in our life. And then that just becomes repetitive. We're on autopilot. This is, I think, what people don't get. They're on autopilot. They're not even living the life as they want. They're living the life that's been conditioned into them. Somebody else's rules. Take back your power. <laughs> <laughs> You're now an adult. You see, as a child, we didn't have a choice, Lucy. We had to come in. When we come into our human form, the first thing that we want to do is fit in. The first thing that we want is to feel belonging, is to feel love, is to feel connection, is to feel supported. And we don't have an option who's going to give that to us. So if we come into a family that's all disjointed and chaotic, we're going to make ourselves small to fit in to make sure our basic need is, is attended to that we fill up that bucket of belonging, of being held, of being nurtured. And if we're a naughty child or we're expressing our own individuality and it doesn't match with what's the family, we get criticized for that. And that is not good because that means you don't belong. And that's our first need as humans. So we will betray our own internal uniqueness, our authenticity in order to fit into the family system. So there's a really, I love some of this stuff with this, um, with this quote, and it's in a family of thieves, the one that doesn't steal is the guilty one. And we're, this is us. This is, this is the human phenomena. We individualize in here. We got to fit into the family norms to be accepted. Doesn't matter how dysfunctional those family norms are. We're going to fit in because our number one need our primary need when we come here 
it's a fitting, it's a belong, it's for love, it's for connection and for nourishment. And it doesn't matter if that nourishment is dysfunctional, it's better than no nourishment. It's true. It is true. It is. It's so true. You know, it is because if you think about it, no matter what your parents are like, good or bad uh, in society, you still want them. You want their approval and you want their love completely, even if they treat you so appallingly and put you down and whatever it is, you still want their love. Absolutely. Because mm. it's spider. But yeah. Growing up into adults is that we live the exact same way. We go out and we search for the validation from other people, from titles, from status, from society, and we're broken and we're empty inside. Mm. It's very true. It's very true. Yeah. It comes down. Um, I did the life coaching with Tony Robbins, and it comes down to the seven. Uh, sorry, the six human needs. It's amazing how you prioritize one of those needs quite high above everything else and you will do anything in your power to get that need like you will trample over whatever it takes to so long as you're being fulfilled in that way and you don't it's just a yeah it's a nature you can't stop yourself doing it you know it's like someone who takes drugs or alcoholic or overeats they will just do it because it fulfills that need and it's the lack of self-love of themselves. Yeah. It's it's a, incorporating other things into your life that you're missing. Yeah. It's a vehicle, isn't it? It's like a big steam engine train that's just on a collision path. I love that, Lucy. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. And I always say we're all addicted. And it doesn't have to be this big explicit addiction where you you're homeless and you're in hospital no mm. we're all addicted to that whether when the shell is empty inside we're seeking that validation we're we're always waiting for the next best thing we're always waiting for things to get better like the next holiday the next car over shopping overeating over drinking um over thinking <laughs> is a destructive addiction blaming um judging there are all destructive addictions that are that are covering off the pain and the void that's inside that got missed when we were growing up and that's why the internal work you go back to the self because if that gets nurtured you go back to you go back to providing the needs in the true way the authentic way from within and I think, I think, I don't know how we even got sidetracked with those little things because it's so important. People go, where do I start? You know, it's like, oh, where do I start? Everything's so chaotic and all over the place. And I did try meditating and I did try affirmation and none of it worked. I know, but even just what you said, the, you know, when you get out of the morning and you go, oh, I'm so tired or I didn't sleep well or I've got to face work, you know, like they're all negatives before you even have put your feet on the floor. <laughs> just opening your eyes you know that's a really because I think um when you're going on this journey it is about keeping it real and understanding because if, if you can do that you can really understand yeah straight away I can go actually you know I have changed that myself that when I wake up in the morning I look forward to my day and all the things I'm going to learn and the things I'm going to do yeah there's some days there absolutely when you you don't feel like that. And that's human nature, I think. But if you can do the 80-20 rule and be 80% good and 
allow the 20% there. It's okay. And you know what? Here's a beautiful secret, Lucy, as well, right? On the days that you feel crap or you feel like, oh my God, I got out of bed and I started good and now it's all gone haywire. Why? I thought like if I start off good, then it's all meant to be great. But we we have to remember that we're part of a universe that operates on principles and we are expected to ebb and flow like the seasons and like the oceans and everything else. And when we can master that those feelings, because this is where the addiction comes, because those feelings that arise, that irritability and the frustration when they actually come, that the day isn't going as planned and things are meant to be a certain way and they're not this way and I'm so fed up, I keep on trying so much and it doesn't and now today's crap then, it was meant to be a good day and we go down a massive rabbit hole and then we put ourselves into that, excuse my expression, but the shit for the day, right? It's yeah. And it's like, there's so much wisdom here for people. When we can learn and this is predominantly the work I do with people because I got so sick of hearing what we should do and nobody actually telling me how to do it. It's like, stop telling me what I should do or what needs to be done. It's like, how do I do it? So when I work with people, I actually go in and give them the experience. We bring up that resistance that you're running away from, whether, okay, I need another chocolate bar or I need to go shopping or I, I just don't feel right and shopping's going to make me feel better or a bottle of wine is going to make me feel better we're avoiding the very emotions that we need to face in order to do our own our own internal house cleaning so when those that resistance comes up when we can learn to welcome that in and ask what is the knowledge and the wisdom here for me what is this trying to tell me because that's our internal guidance system our emotions are there for a reason right if we've got a, a physical pain we never ignore it and we know what happens when we do. Okay, so we respond to it. We see why we find we may, I don't know, take a rest. If that doesn't work, we'll take a painkiller. If that doesn't work and it, it continues, we'll go to the GP. And if they can't source it, they'll send us to a specialist and the specialist investigates and evaluates and see what's going on and find the root cause. That is what we're meant to do with our emotions. And that's where you master yourself because your emotions are just part of who you are. And it's like when we can look within and go, okay, so what's here? What's this trying to tell me? Okay, how can I, how can I process this? So work with people with processing through the body. It's so important to let it process because when we push it away and when we suppress it, we are literally causing disease within the body and we're continuing our psychological turmoil. It will only get worse. So I always work with people in the current. Where are they? Let's bring this in. And let's look at moving you over to where you want to go. Because everything's about structure as well. We want to be in the right structure. Because if we don't, we fall into the habits and memories and repetition of the habits of the past of what, how I usually think, how I'm meant to be. And then what we do is we create the memories of the future of the version of yourself that you want to be in, the, in, in your future version self. And we bring them into the present moment. So we allow what's here to arise. We, we help people process it and then we bring the memory of what they want into the present moment and condition that into the mind and body now so that when they go out to practice it, they already know what it feels like. They've already experienced it in session and go out and practice it then on their day to day. And that is the most profound because particularly with the idea of people, oh, okay, I'm going to try journaling. I'm going to try affirmations. I'm going to try meditation. And by nature, this will happen to everybody. Oh, I'm not doing it right. Am I doing it right? Should I be doing it a different way? Is this the way everybody does it? I don't think I've got it right. <laughs> and then you stop. 
because <laughs> that's so true. That is so true. Understand <laughs> that that's normal. Because when you try to do something different, remember that unconscious brain is going to try and pull you back because undifferent is unfamiliar, which means it's unsafe to your unconscious. Your mm -hmm. unconscious needs you to prove to it that it's safe. And doing that in a progressive, and everybody's going to be so individual, doing that in a gentle, progressive, seamless way is so important to teach your unconscious this is the new me. This is how it's going to be. This is what it feels like. So in session, getting people to feel it into the body and bring it up into, because we need to align the intellect, the body, and then the internal part of us into how we want it to be. And it's so important to be able to practice that with people so they know how to do it in their day-to-day. So this is a completely different question now. So you mentioned you have children, two children. I presume it's two you have, or do you have more? Yeah, I have two. Yeah. two. So how do you, uh, how have you begun changing this process on the way you raise your children? I'm so happy you asked that, actually, that, because that's so, that's so personal to me. That's so, um, that topic is really deep to me because I had decided, Lucy, that I was never going to have children. And I didn't know why. I just thought that that was a decision I was going to make, that I would never have children. It wasn't for me. I didn't want them. In fact, I think even when my one of my sisters, the first grandchild, um, asked me to be godmother, I was like, no, children aren't for me. That's not my kind of thing. Oh, really? You turned it down? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, wow. Because I wasn't the person to be able to provide. You're not asking the right person. Why would you ask somebody that doesn't even want kids or have uh, an affiliation to kids or a, a heart or connection to kids? You have to ask somebody that actually is connected to kids, right? So I turned her down, yeah. And um, and I didn't know why. I just thought that that was my decision until one of my good friends passed away um, in 2007 from, um, from, from cancer. I'm sorry and to hear that yeah it was yeah um and i know she desperately wanted to have a family and when she did pass away it got me thinking i was like well she couldn't have them and you've an option to have them and are you just looking at gift forcing them out and then i said i hadn't done my personal development work really at this stage because i really didn't know what it was until i met bob proctor um so i said well look if it happens, it happens. Okay, let's just give it a try. If it happens, it happens. And it happens. <laughs> and then it happens again. And it's been, honestly, then I realized that my whole fear, I was being controlled by my fear. My fear was that I wasn't capable of being a mother. I didn't have the capacity to be a mother. And I was so terrified that they'd end up like me or experience what I experienced. And I didn't realize that until I started to do my own personal development work and my own, my own exploration of what was causing me to make the decisions that I was making in my life. And now, you know, it's for, for my friend, probably without her, I don't know if I would have ever had this experience. And of course, it's 
the most I never know what love was until I had my children, right? It's a different, it's a different love. It's it's not even explained through words. So she's given me a massive gift, a gift that I probably would have betrayed myself in having in this life. So then of course I became very conscientious of how I was showing up as a mother. And because I had all children trigger your own traumas, that's what's gonna happen. Um, and that's, that's what did happen. And because I was so aware of it, it was even more intense. And so I kind of went down one extreme to the next, Lucy, which is always, I think, dangerous. You know, one extreme can be as dangerous as the other. And of course, I wanted to be like this. You overparented. <laughs> and thank God I've had the wisdom and the knowledge to pull back and realize that they're also here for their own journey and that how to actually be a parent as opposed to trying to overprotect and make everything okay for them because that's completely unrealistic. Your energy then becomes so stressed and frustrated because children are children. They have their own soul development and their own personality, their own neurological and physical development going on that you absolutely do not have any control over and when I actually started working with Bob I realized that one of my one of my dysfunctional or sabotaging habits was I was a control freak and I didn't even know it <laughs> everything had to be a certain way everything I really didn't know it. I never forget to say that the penny dropped but when we go into parenting like that, that we want to make everything perfect and control everything so our kids have the best life, we actually end up screwing it up as well. So I always, like my kids know, Bob, Bob has a famous saying, if you see it in your mind, you can have it in your hands. And from the work that I've progressed through, they now, my our little saying is that your power is in your heart and your magic is in your mind. And we say, if you can see it in your mind and feel it in your heart, you can have it in your hands. So this is the way I just work with them. And I'm, I work always from your heart. I tell them that you can have, be and do whatever you please, as long as you live with kindness and love. At the end of the day, what does, it, what does anything really matter? Because from that basis, that's where all growth and that's where all experiences come. So I now let go and allow them to be themselves. I now let go and don't think that their tantrums are about me doing something wrong. I now allow them to be in their tantrums and understand that that's part of their development. I now allow their personalities, both sides of it, to be as it is without me criticizing and judging that I'm failing at something. And that has been a huge, that's only recent enough for me because I moved on to my second child before I could figure that out and he's he's two and a bit so it's probably not even it's probably recent enough like in the six months where I have completely been able to surrender and let go and realize that their journey here is their own I'm only a portal for bringing their lives into existence for them to come here and experience and to provide for their needs that they can't provide for until they have the capacity and most importantly to provide that place of nourishment and support and unconditional love. That's just all I am here to do. And when I relinquish and let go of the rest, I take away the stress and the friction between us and them and the household. So it's been a massive, 
massive. I definitely wouldn't have wanted to have kids, uh, Lucy, if I didn't wake up to that. I really wouldn't have. I wouldn't have because I would have scarred them. And I probably am scarring them, but I'm okay with that because I know that I'm showing up my best and that they have their own stuff. They're here for their own stuff. They're not my possession. No, they're not. They're not. Everything that happens is not going to be my fault as long as I provide that container of the support and the grounding and the nourishment and the unconditional love. And I always say that, you know, we can have moments where we can lose our temper or we can get cross and not mean it. And that's okay. It doesn't matter about the rupture. The repair is what matters. Like yeah. I'm human. Yeah, that's true. It is true. And that's something actually, uh, I have three children and you can ask any one of them, like I've made, I couldn't even tell you how many bazillions of mistakes I've made as a parent and have learned from my children as well. But I've always said, guys, I got that wrong. Or if I've yelled at them and I have, and I've had to come back and apologize for it, you know, and, and in all fairness, I've always done that. I've always held my hands up and apologized if I've made a mistake uh, with my parenting skills. And I've done that quite a lot of times. <laughs> but it's it's created a very good relationship with my children well I think it has anyway no I know it has I know it has I have a very good relationship with them with my two older ones one is 26 and she would nearly ring me every day we we talk to each other every day she doesn't live at home anymore and my son is in Canada now it would be harder but we would communicate three or four times during the week via a text message or a voice message the odd phone call because the time difference and my little girl and she's 11 so she still is at home but it's amazing having um like the second family as it were my little surprise because it's easier I don't know what it is it's just easier and you're way more relaxed I don't worry so much if like say she's in bed late or we arrive at school a little bit late now that doesn't happen that often but you know little things like that where before I would have been very worried whereas now it's just go with the flow yeah and you're right it is about love and nurture and as long as they're loved and fed and warm children don't need anything else they don't they really really don't no they don't actually they really don't we think they do in our brains but actually they really don't they're quite happy <laughs> because instinctively that's all they need everything else is created right yeah like, child doesn't know about santa claus unless it's conditioned into them as an idea that once a year right it's they just don't know no they don't know it's just something we we teach them absolutely and i and i want to say uh thank you for sharing that very deep rooted fear because of you know making that decision of not wanting children and then you know looking underneath to see the real reason for it, which is incredibly powerful. Lynn, you have been the most inspiring guest and I really hope um, the, my listeners really get inspiration from you, you know, just to take make those small changes like in the morning time and start loving themselves again. I know I, I make a habit of every night before I go to bed, I always give myself a little self hug and say, well done for the day and I love you. Now, sometimes, you know, that's, I don't do it every night, but I try and do it three or four of the nights in the week. It's a habit that I've created. Start off. Oh. You can just fill in the gaps then. And always remember, Lucy, that's so important because when we fall asleep, 
we go into that subconscious brain. So the last thing that we do at night is so crucial to what's being processed in in our system. So that is a brilliant tip. It is a brilliant tip. Mm. What you say to yourself when you get up, what's your intention? And I often find you can write it on a piece of paper. Get a little, like one of those little whiteboards and have your affirmation, your self-belief affirmation, because I have to start with that belief in yourself of your capacity to make the change. And have there, when you open your eyes, it's actually there until you get used to the habit of actually doing it. And literally that, even when you're lying in bed, laughing, and thank you. And you know what? Even if it was a crappy day, thank you. Because that's where we really learn and grow. Absolutely. That means we're outside your comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm going to add in the show notes where, every, where if people want to contact you, where they can. Um, but you can just, if you want to mention it here as well. Yeah, I can be contacted on Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Facebook. Uh, Lucy has my links. I'm not sure if my link's off by heart. No, that's okay. I can, I, I'll, as I said, I'll add them into the show notes. That's what I'll do. And please subscribe to the channel. I always get to say that at the beginning and share with everyone because the more we can help, the, the better, I think. Thank you. Thank you, Lucy. What can I say? Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast today. Don't forget to share it with your friends and also hit that subscribe button. We've got some more amazing guests and speakers coming up.